Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Tara, I got an amazing DM on Instagram. For those of you who are not on Instagram, DM is direct message from a listener who shared with me an incredible story that perfectly illustrates the topic for today's episode. Okay, what did the listener say? Her husband took her daughter shopping for bathing suits at Target. And she came home with what are called cheeky, quote unquote, cheeky bikini bottoms. On the tag? I think maybe there was a whole section of cheeky. And that is the kind of bikini bottoms where half your tush hangs out of the bottom. So it's not quite a thong, but it's like almost a thong. Or if you have my tush, it would be like 79% of your tush (laughs) hangs out of the bikini bottom. And like an nth of it is still covered by the bottom. It's actually 80, it's 79%. So an (laughs) nth would be 21%. I knew you were going to criticize me on the end. Quick I know. Math, quick okay, math. quick math. Okay, one of us went to organic chemistry and one of us didn't. So she wrote to us and was like, how do I handle this? I raise my concerns with my daughter, aka half your tush is hanging out of your bikini bottom and you're 13. And my daughter said that I was censoring her and I was shaming her and I was making her feel badly about her body. 
And she's like, I don't want to do that. I'm not that parent. I want to love and support and empower my kid. But like, I have concerns about her wearing a quote unquote cheeky bikini bottom. So that brings us to today's topic, which is how do we handle the battles over how our kids present themselves? What they wear, what kind of makeup they use, how much skin they expose, piercings, hair color, tattoos, pajamas to school, facial hair, mullets, mohawks, how they present themselves on social media. We could go on and on and on. The bottom line is this. Times have changed. How the heck do we as parents and caregivers address it without shaming our kids? I love that topic. I'm so glad we're talking about it because it's universal. It doesn't matter if your child is male or female or non-binary. Every single kid will at some point come to a crossroads with their parents over how they present themselves in some way. And developmentally, this is totally appropriate right? So some of what is happening is that our kids are growing up and their styles are shifting and they're trying on new personas with their clothes or their makeup or their hair color, right? Or you can list a whole bunch of other things. Some of what's going on is that they are pushing back against us and how they present themselves to the world is a really easy button for them to push when it comes to getting a reaction out of a parent. So I'm really excited to jump in. Vanessa, I think where we should start the conversation, let's just go for it, is the concept of slut shaming. Because really, the story that you let off with is a story that lands at slut shaming. Do you want to explain a little bit about this concept of how we police, particularly how our girls dress in this context, and how we judge it as a culture, as parents, as individuals? So the most important thing to keep in mind is the generational difference between folks like us, who I guess are considered middle-aged, although in my mind, I'm still 27, and folks younger than us, millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. In our mind, female empowerment meant dressing strong and self-assured and wearing things that men could wear and not wearing short skirts, but wearing pants and, you know, so on and so forth. We could spend a whole episode on what female empowerment used to look like, but it did not look like wearing crop tops and cheeky bathing suit bottoms, and platform high heels, and showing cleavage. And yet, for this generation of younger people, in their minds, that is an expression of female empowerment, showing off their bodies, their bodies of all different shapes, sizes, and colors, showing off their bodies, wearing clothing that reveals various parts of their bodies, is a sign to them of female empowerment. And so when we police the way they dress 
your top's too short, your straps are too thin, there's too much of your tush showing with the example of the bathing suit, we are policing them. But what they would say to us is you are slut shaming us. You are making us feel badly. You are treating us as if we have done something wrong, as if we are AKA a slut, or I don't even know. It's a special word slut because it doesn't mean quote unquote, like what people used to call a whore, right? Like that's like on the far end. It's almost like a slut has a very particular meaning within adolescent years, right? It's like someone who gets around. I don't know if you and have it's a, gendered. It's and it's gendered. It's heavily gendered. Well, my, there's male. There, the, my kids use the phrase "male slut," which correct. tells you that slut is assumed to be female because if you have to put male in the front of it, that means that slut itself is. It's like the WNBA, but in reverse. <laughs> exactly, and so slut shaming is exactly what it sounds like. It is pointing shame, placing shame upon the people who present themselves in a certain way. And it's a very, very interesting concept to think about because both sides of the debate have a fair point, right? On the one hand, the Gen Xers of the world and their baby boomer parents fought really hard for equality. That was the buzz phrase was equality, which is still a huge battle for all of us. I mean, our kids' generation is very much fighting for equality, but equality in the older generations looked like equality, sort of that what you describe as being able to wear the same clothes to embody. Do you remember in the eighties and nineties suits with huge shoulder pads? Yeah, the power suit. Right. That was sort of the ultimate statement of equality. So when we then, when we, the older generation then looks at how some of the younger generations present themselves in a world that they would say strives to be equal. And I agree with them that that is their goal. It's hard for us to wrap our brains around because they're not looking to look the same necessarily, all of them. And their point, I think, is a very, very fair point, which is the goal here is to feel no shame, to apologize to no one, to be you do you and I'm going to do me. And we are all going to treat each other with respect and without judgment. And that is a tremendous leap forward in many ways that is hard for us as the older generation to wrap our brains around. I'll give you an example. When Umla first launched, and you remember this, we prided ourselves on only showing images of our bra from the back. If we ever wanted to show images of our bra from the front, the bra was on a tabletop or on the grass or somewhere. It wasn't on a body. And our point was to celebrate the fact that this garment was super comfortable. We were never going to objectify and sexualize younger kids in any way, right? We felt really, really good about this decision. And then what we did as we started to launch is we said to people who were wearing the bra, hey, send us user-generated content that shows kind of how you feel in your Umbra. 80% of what came in was imagery from the front. And we started to ask the people who were sending in images, hey, do you mind if we use this? Can we, you know, we have a policy of not showing these images from the front. And the response we got was, why? 
And here we were thinking we were protecting them from being objectified. It came from a good place. And there they were saying to us, we're very proud of our bodies. This is, it's just a bra. So it's exactly this argument, right? I want to pick up on that because I think for so many adults who worry about what their kids are wearing, that it's too low cut, the shorts are too short, or the top is too skimpy, or the Halloween costume is quote unquote too slutty looking, right? Okay. Well, like slutty pumpkin is ridiculous. Is there such a thing as a slutty pumpkin? There's slutty everything. I was like picturing the maid's costume. Right. That too. Yeah. That too. But where those fears are coming from, right? Where those adult worries are coming from comes from our lived experience, right? It comes from walking down the street in our running clothes and having people catcall us. It comes from having people comment on what we're wearing in bars or workplaces. It comes from people's experiences with sexual assault. I mean, our worries are valid and fair. Well, and let's add to the the sexual assault piece that it comes from being raised at a time where what you wore was often blamed for what happened to you. And I think it's very important to contextualize that because of course, what we knew then and what the whole world knows now is no one deserves to be assaulted, no matter who you are, no matter what your gender, and no matter what you're wearing. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. 
There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. Yes. So it's born of a societal context that puts the blame on the victim and not on the perpetrator. And yet we still worry. We still worry what happens to our kids when they walk out the door wearing certain things and our desire to protect them and to keep them safe and far from harm causes us to police them in a way that feels unfair, outdated, judgmental, and shaming. Well, it's not just us. Let's talk about school dress codes. Oh, yeah. So my kids' school has basically done away with their dress code because there's no way to enforce a dress code fairly across genders because the dress code for females, you know, people who dress as females is very different than for people who dress as males or people who dress somewhere in that spectrum. And there's no way to enforce it. There's a great Instagram account called Being Dress Coded. And it's all about this issue of slut shaming, of different dress codes around the country, right? Because state by state and school district by school district, there are different policies, yearbook photos, prom outfits, you name it, and there's policing going on. So schools have a very particular challenge and some of them do it well and some of them it, Is don't. it really a challenge? Isn't it just a gross double standard? Well, there is the a way- double standard. No, I mean, there is a double standard. But when you have kids showing up in, I mean, like for instance, pajama bottoms to school, kids of all gender, to me, 
that doesn't feel respectful of like the school environment. Like if I wore my pajama bottoms right now, Cara, I would do a pretty crappy job doing this podcast interview because I would be slouched and lounging and not doing my best work. Like I do think it's fair to create some expectations of respect of representing how you are in a certain context. You and I agree on that. And yet I think here in lies another generational difference because I think most kids today would say not only are they fully capable of going to school in their pajama bottoms because they did on Zoom school for some of them a year and a half during COVID, but also they would argue against my very strong conviction that if you start your day by making your bed, everything feels organized and better. And they disagree with that as well. So that's why we get along so well is because I also have to make my bed. I mean, right. I mean, come on. (laughs) Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere, so we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra, and it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft, and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their umbras. It's why we say that the umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A.com. Hi, guys. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian, parent educator, and mom. And this is the Meaningful Living Podcast here to make parenthood and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. We bring on all our favorite experts and friends and answer all your questions and ours to break it all down into the simple and reliable tools, tricks, and answers. We get into the real side of it, parenthood, relationships, you name it. So join us every Monday at Meaningful Living, that's meaningful with two L's, for conversations that will leave you feeling way more confident. It takes a village and we can't wait for you to join ours. Do you know what my kids' dress code is at their school? You can't be naked. It's pretty close. (laughs) They go to a very progressive school and the dress code is literally, you need to wear clothes that don't make other people feel uncomfortable. That's a very strange dress code. It's a very strange dress code. And yet, when you stop and think about it, it's both very 
forward thinking and very backward thinking all at once. And yeah, I think it's the, the idea, order of things. I think the idea of it is wonderful. I think the idea is think about how you present yourself in the world and think about how other people may feel. It was more about if you are sitting in a classroom on the floor and cross-legged and you're wearing something super short and you're constantly pulling it down because you're aware that other people are uncomfortable by the shortness of the bottom half of whatever you're wearing. This is one example. Maybe you should think twice before you wear that thing and you should make a choice to wear something that you don't have to constantly adjust because you're not being sensitive to the way other people feel about it. I mean, it's a very interesting. It What it does is it it puts the onus on the kids to think about how they present themselves in the world. I will tell you on any given day, 50% of the school is in pajama bottoms. Right. When they're on campus. I think that dress code needs a little wordsmithing from you, Cara. All right. I'll add that to my list. <laughs> Just to, now that you're off the like <laughs> medical COVID I'll, committee, yeah, you, can, you can now join the dress code I'll, committee. So I'll add that. So, but let's go, let's pull the lens back a little. Yeah. Because it's easy to focus on individuals who identify as female and dress as female. And, and we could keep going down that silo constantly. And I, I want to pull us constantly out of it because this is where males get missed in the conversation. So can we have a quick chat about reputation a little bit and about how kind of what you wear and how you are perceived in the world go hand in hand, not just at school, right? But way beyond that. So when I get asked by parents about how to deal with a particular issue they're having with their kid around the way they dress or the way they do their hair or, you know, appearance issues that they feel like impacts kind of larger family dynamics. And they say like, what do I say? I've already been accused of slut shaming or in the case of like my boys of making them feel badly about themselves and the choices they're making. So they're like, what, you know, what do I say? And the goal as ever in every episode is to find a non-judgmental and curious approach to having these conversations and addressing these issues with the kids living in our homes. So one of my go-to approaches to this issue is to say to a kid, I'm curious how you think other people will perceive you when you're wearing that. I want to know like what you imagine they might say or do in response to what you're wearing. Which gets a lot of pushback because what kids will often say in response to that is, well, if they know me, they won't think X, Y, and Z because they know who I am inside. And I think your point, which is an age old truism, is you only get one chance to make a first impression. It's not necessarily about the people who know you deeply and what they think of you based upon how you're presenting yourself to the world. It's about this sort of first impression piece, which is important. We meet a lot of new people every single day. And so there's not a right way to present yourself the first time. There's an importance about the consciousness of how you are presenting yourself. You have to know the story you are telling about yourself when you put yourself out into the world. And also, how many people truly know us? 
how many people truly know who we are, understand us, give us the benefit of the doubt, approach us without judgment, approach us with empathy and generosity? Like, yes, okay, fine. Your kid can say that to you because they're hanging out with their five friends, you know, in the spring of high school. But like in the world, in life, we all know that there are very few people who truly know us and very few people who truly approach us with generosity of spirit. And I think it's not necessarily a reason to not dress a certain way or to dress a certain way if we come to the conclusion, you know what, people might perceive me as X, Y, or Z, but it's important to go through the exercise to understand how we are seen and understood and perceived. And then we may go ahead and make the same choice, but it is critical. And it's not just about dress and it's not just about makeup and it's not just about tattoos or any of that stuff. It's about the self-reflection of understanding who we are in the world and the choices we make and how those impact us. Let's talk about the people who really know us. Hmm. Let's talk about particularly parents, right? Who know their kids. What do you do, Vanessa, if two parents come at this from two really different perspectives? And let's start with the scenario of those two parents living in the same home, but then we're going to go to a different version, which is those two parents living in separate homes. One of the things I hear a lot, particularly around the issue of puberty and adolescence, is when people were raised in different cultures. And that could mean different cultures coming from the same country. That could mean different cultures coming from two vastly different countries and societies. And as we often talk about, everyone brings their own baggage into these conversations. So the religion that you were raised with, the culture in which you grew up, the experiences you had as a person, how were you treated? How are you spoken to? So when there are two parents who come from different places, this is a moment as in almost all of talking to your kid about puberty, where you have to do some of your own homework together before you approach your kid. Because if you're sitting with a teenager and you're throwing vastly different opinions of that kid, it does not go well. And FYI, you will both lose. Both the adults in this situation will lose. The kid will take that opportunity and run with it as far as they possibly can. So let's give an example of, you know, a kid who wants to have facial hair, right? He's like, everybody's doing it. I'm going to grow my facial hair. And you have a partner who believes that people should be clean shaven because that is respectable. And that is the way you present yourself in the world and you become a successful person, right? That's their, that's their culture. And you as the other partner, you don't really care. Shave, don't shave, do whatever you want. Fine. But your goal in a, in a marriage is to present a, you know, a united front. So the homework with your partner sounds something like, hey, I know this feels really important to you that our kid shave before he goes to school. He's pushing back. I want us to come up with a really effective approach. I'm wondering why it's so important to you, other adult, that he shaves. The partner's going to give reasons. You know, it's respectful. It's appropriate. It's whatever, right? 
fine. We're going to have a conversation with our kid together. You approach the kid. Hey kiddo, I've noticed that like we keep asking you to shave and you're not shaving. And we're kind of wondering what's going on, right? No judgment, no directives. What if the kid says, I hate shaving. It hurts my skin. It doesn't feel good, right? That's one issue. That's a feeling of like your body and your sensory issues. That may be one thing. Another thing, Cara, getting back to your point, if a kid has a parent who shaves every single morning, what is a teenager going to do in order to individuate from that parent who shaves every single morning? 180, baby. Uh-huh, a 180. So if that parent who shaves every morning is talking to the kid who never shaves, if he goes in hard on that kid and says, I'm taking away your car, I'm taking away your allowance, you get up there and you shave your face, what's going to happen? A walking bearded child. (laughs) (laughs) Or not Okay. Or not walking. A version of this story has been playing out in my house over the last several months, not around shaving, but around hairstyle. And it's a very, very similar tale. So our son... Buckle up, everybody. You're going to love this. (laughs) Our son has been growing his hair out for months. And... I mean, I don't know how many times a week we gently offer up an opportunity to make a haircut appointment. What you think is gently, what you imagine is gently. (laughs) And each time we do it, he smiles and says, I'm good, right? Which is generationally no thank you, right? Which is Gen Z for (laughs) piss off. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I like how you self-edited there. So now we hit, I don't know. We we hit the the early spring and he's got long hair and it looks great. It's gotten past the crazy poofy big like he in your opinion terrific. it looks great. In your opinion. In my humble yeah. excellent opinion it <laughs> humble, looks humble middle-aged opinion. Yes. Exactly. And I make the terrible mistake of telling him it looks great because that is what parents do. They want to lift their kids up. Within 24 hours, <laughs> he had shaved his head. Okay. Like, and he didn't just shave his head, but one of his very best friends came over and they had a whole head shaving thing that happened that they videoed. And the whole, listen, I mean, we all know that our own kids are adorable and beautiful and wonderful. So he looks great with his shaved head. Was but he holding up his middle finger while he got his head shaved? He was, he was smiling like, ha ha, like that Tom and Jerry, you know, Jerry, the, that was the smile. That it's I got. like when the toddler is sitting in the high chair and you're like, don't you throw that off. Don't you throw that water bottle off that high chair? And they look at you and smile and then drop the water bottle I off mean, the right. high chair. And and it's so funny because now I feel like he blew that wad. And so he doesn't have that to lord over me. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to cut my hair because he has already cut his hair. So I'm curious what the next thing's going to be. But it's an interesting thing. And tattoo. And, and my, that's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. My sort of um, experience through this is no different that anyone who's listening that your own experience with fill in the blank and it could be 
any type of exterior look. It could be hairdo. It could be makeup. It could be clothing style. It could be, you know, going, leaning into a whole look. You know, there are kids who go goth. There are kids who go whatever style they're looking to lean into it. You know, hair dyeing, temporary or permanent hair color is a big means of self-expression that can really, sometimes it's aimed at us. Now, oftentimes, frankly, we have nothing to do with it and we have to get over ourselves. It's about them. They want to do it. It's appropriate. It's individuation. It's their way of expressing themselves. And as many psychologists in the world will say, it is an appropriate way of trying on different personas safely and cautiously. When you dye your hair pink, okay, you dye your hair pink. Okay. So let me ask you a question because a lot of these things cost money right? It costs Mm. money to dye your hair. It costs money to get piercings and tattoos. It costs money to buy clothing. One of the approaches that I have thought a lot about and grapple with is this issue of, I have parents who complain to me about the way their kids dress and yet they're paying for it, right? Or they're complaining about their kid's hair, but they're paying for it. So for instance, in the story with my daughter, which if you follow the how to negotiate with your kid episode, I discussed my challenge with my daughter wanting to get a second piercing and my having come up with an arbitrary age that I didn't even remember why I came up with that age. And so we've been in conversation about it. And I said to her, okay, I'll let you do it, but you have to pay for it. Like, it's not something I want for you. I'm not ready for you to do it. So if you want to do it, you have to pay for it. And I'm really not sure that that is the right way to go. It's like, if I want to support my kid expressing themselves, am I right to withhold my financial support of that self-expression? And I'm incredibly torn on this issue. And I think it's a complicated subject because when we tell our kids that they should pay for something, usually the deeper conversation there is you should pay for something from the money that I might give you as allowance or you should, right? So you're- No, they have to earn it. They have to earn it. They have to earn it in babysitting or other tasks that are not in their normal purview. When they're old enough, but there's an age below which they just don't even have that opportunity. And then it gets into this cycle of, do I pay my kid to do things around the house to earn into something that I don't totally support? It is complicated. Well, And, it, here's and I don't a, think there's a right answer. Here's an even more complicated example, which isn't occurring in my house, but is occurring in lots of people's houses, which is children deciding that the gender with which they were born is not the gender that they want to express. And so- Maybe it's a little boy who wants to dress like a girl and a parent is deeply uncomfortable with that. Your six-year-old can't go out and earn the money to buy the clothing that that six-year-old wants to wear, right? It's we're providing the clothing for our children and they're saying to us, this isn't me. I need to express myself differently. But the parent is thinking, I don't agree with this. I'm not ready for this. I'm scared of this, right? I mean, that's the most complex of examples. It is. And, you know, talk about self-expression. So much of self-expression is understanding what is the self? Who am I and who Mm. do I want? Who do I want to be? And when we talk about gender identity, that is a very, very layered conversation. And both 
the parents and the child need to have those deep conversations over and over, often guided by people who are trained to help them go through the conversations and anticipate some of the more subtle, nuanced pieces of all of this. Because ultimately, we say this on almost every episode, every parent's goal, I've literally never met a parent whose goal is not, is to make their child happy, right? You want a safe and healthy child and ultimately a happy child. And so some of what we're talking about, this trying on of different ways of expressing yourself in the world, and now to move to the example of transgender, not just trying it on, identifying who do you feel you are deep to your core, right? And how do you express that in a way that feels authentic to you? These are very, very big, deep topics. And oftentimes families need love and support as they manage to navigate them. So the makeup issue or the bikini you know, the cheeky bikini issue is just the tip of a far bigger iceberg. And we will do an episode, more than one episode on gender identity and gender expression, all of those things and how they relate to puberty and adolescence and even younger. But I do want to recognize that that is like a super complex version of this conversation. Speaking of which, let's talk about makeup. Because makeup, about makeup plays a role in all of these aspects, you know, gender expression, creativity, self-expression, conforming, not conforming, pushing back against parents, trying to please parents. Makeup is a whole third rail for many adults and families. Do you remember when Kylie Jenner's company was first launched it was about six or seven years ago that the lip kits would drop. And I don't know if you remember because you might not have had a kid that was super interested in it at the time, but I might have had a kid who knew exactly when the vampire colored almost permanent lip gloss, when it like never came off, was going to drop. And there was begging and pleading and can I get it? And Let's just put aside the fact that the ingredient list in lots of these makeup kits is not exactly a clean ingredient list. Okay, we're going to just move that over into the margins for the moment. But I, you know, I would get I would get calls from school, you know, and they, they would go to the front desk because they had a, something they had to call the parent for. It was an emergency. It was, can I go online and do the drop of the Kylie Jenner lip kit? And I'm like, this is not an emergency. Yes, it is. I need it. And oh I'm not a bit, I mean, if you are looking at me right now, you are Vanessa. I'm not a big makeup wearer. This was very foreign to me. And then I got the, I'll pay for it. It was with my money. I mean, you know, so it was like very circular, but it was specific to makeup. And I think makeup is its own universe here because it is a temporary form of self-expression. So it, unlike tattooing, for instance, you can have someone who experiments 
deeply and wildly with makeup and then they wash their face and then it's off. And so it's a very benign, in many ways, a very benign form of self-expression in that way, a great way to try on different personalities. And yet it creates a lot of conflict for parents, very much related to what we opened this episode with, which is this concept of slut shaming, because the wearing of makeup can make parents sort of can catapult parents to this place of thinking, my kid is trying to look older and either wants or will get attention from people who are older because of makeup wearing. And this stresses me out. Can I read an email that we got from a listener? Yes, please. Okay. I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay. You'll see why. Okay. Okay. It starts. It's a listener named Liz. And it starts, hello, (laughs) I am an avid fan and love listening to your podcast. That's why I wanted to read the whole thing. (laughs) My kiddos aren't even all the way into puberty and I still listen all the time. It's better to be prepared, right? I'm really hoping you'll do an episode on makeup. My husband is adamantly against makeup. And while I don't feel as strongly we approach the topic as a united front. I'd love to hear more about what feels like an appropriate age to start makeup and how to talk about what makeup does for a girl. Feeling pretty, but you don't need it. How do I maintain that my daughter doesn't need makeup to feel beautiful when I wear some every day? Thanks for all you do. And I'm just going to say, Liz, we really appreciate the note and we want anyone and everyone to write us if you have questions. But my mom, my mom could have written that note, subbing in high heels for makeup in the late 80s when I was taking my first women's studies class and I came home saying, you know, the patriarchy, get out of your high heels. And she basically had the same question, which is how do I both love and support my kid? and wear high heels from time to time. So, so it goes in both directions, but Vanessa go. So Liz brings up two, actually three areas of complication. One is when you and your partner have a different approach and we've talked about that. You got to do your own homework first before you approach your kid and figure out where your positions are coming from and how you effectively communicate those positions to your kid without just immediately causing them to do a 180 and spit in your face. Number two, there's no appropriate age at which to start wearing makeup because every family is different. We all come from different cultures. We live in different communities. We attend different schools. So that is a gut check issue for you. I will say, getting back to Cara's comment about clean makeup, you don't want your child putting a ton of toxic crap on their face, on their lips, in their eyes. So If you are going to let them wear makeup, make sure it's not filled with awful, terrible chemicals. But there's no one age, right? That's the decision you have to make for yourself. Liz, you get at the crux of this issue, which is twofold. One, that we want to send our children the message that who they are and how they look is wonderful and unique to them, no matter what the external society says. So what their bodies do, how their bodies move, how strong they are, how their brains think, how they're shaped, 
is wonderful no matter what, even if the outside world is saying to you, you don't conform, you don't fit, it's not okay. So that is a, that is a message that we want to give to our kids, except they see us changing our appearance, right? So I color my hair, I color my grays, and my kids are like, mom, don't color your hair. Like you're a feminist. You shouldn't color your hair. You should let your grays grow out. And I say, I don't like the way I look with gray hair right now and I'm going to color it. But they're pointing out my hypocrisy when I say to them, you are beautiful and powerful and strong and wonderful just as you are. And then they see me doing this. So we can name our decision-making. We can narrate for our kids, our decision-making. So Liz, for instance, could say to her daughter, hey, kiddo, you know what? Wearing mascara makes me feel good. I like the way my eyes look. That's my choice. But when you wear mascara, it involves a lot of responsibility. It involves putting it on safely. It involves taking it off safely. It involves keeping your hands clean. And you're not yet at the age where I'm seeing you take care of your body in that way. You don't wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. You don't wash your face before you go to bed at night. I need to see you follow through on some of those things before we can talk about your having makeup. The last thing I want to say... That is so brilliant. (laughs) I'm just going to stop for one second and say that is amazing advice because it doesn't judge the makeup. What it does is it helps your kids see the path. Go. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. So the last thing I want to say is that this is another generational issue for our kids who are watching YouTube, watching TikTok, on Instagram, makeup has become an art form and a form of incredible creative self-expression. It's as if their faces are canvases and they are watching other people perform and create on their own faces. And we cannot discount how exciting and interesting it is for kids to explore makeup as a form of creative expression. In fact, I'm going to double down on that and say, Liz, there will be one day when you turn to your child and you say, can you please teach me how to do what you know how to do? Because they really are able to lean into video tutorials posted by people their age or a bit older, and they learn how to do incredible, incredible makeup art. Some of it costumey and some of it just sort of for for dressing up and and getting around in the day and and so you know to to sort of use your letter liz as a way to wrap our conversation that is all about how kids present themselves battles with them battles with our partners around how to handle these issues the unsatisfying answer is of course that there is no right answer that we as parents need to recognize what we needed our own parents to recognize about us, which is that personal self-expression is going to look different from generation to generation, from individual to individual, and that we talk about conversation all the time. This is a place where lots of conversations open-minded, non-judgmental conversations about how people present themselves in the world really moves the needle in terms of influencing how 
your kid may choose to present themselves to the world. Be prepared in those conversations for some tough questions to be hurled your way, because we are very good at recognizing the things in the kids around us that drive us crazy or that worry us or, you know, that provoke some response. We are much less savvy about doing the same in reverse and they will zing you. They will say to you, what about X, Y, and Z? What about your hair color? What about your high heels? What about the fact that, you know, you get on a Zoom and you're not wearing pants, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So are you wearing pants? I am wearing pants today. Okay. Yes, today. (laughs) So I think that is where we will leave it, which is with the dissatisfying answer that you kind of knew you were going to get, Liz, which is, There is no one right way through it, but don't negotiate in front of your kid and do open up lots of conversations once you and your partner figure out where you stand, open up lots of conversations that allow you to slowly move your needle over time because you have to. And hear them out right? Don't assume you know why they're wanting to make certain choices. Don't assume you know what is motivating it. Don't assume you know what they imagine to be the case with their decision-making about how they present themselves. Find out, ask them. They want to tell us their opinions on the world and on their realities if we ask them in the right way without judgment with curiosity, with openness and honesty, and frankly, a willingness to acknowledge our own hypocrisy and our own struggles on these particular topics. So that's your homework assignment. That's your practical puberty takeaway is to pick an issue and say to your kid, hey, you know what? I noticed you've kind of changed the way you're wearing your shirts these days. And I'm wondering like, What's going on? What's inspiring that, right? Instead of saying, oh my God, would you wear the clothing that I bought you? Because this is ridiculous. So again, honesty, openness, but no judgment and curiosity and like see where it takes you. And good luck. Godspeed. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts. Or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 